This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to begin with verse 41. Interesting to see this passage. This is the very first time we see the gospel preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We take the the, uh, work of the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, for granted, I'm afraid. Uh, The fact is that the Holy Spirit hasn't always indwelt believers. And, uh, and it is unique to this age. And uh, it is, I, th- I actually think it is unique to our, our calling. And it is interesting to see the very first time that the gospel is preached. This is the same Peter who literally just 43 days earlier was denying Jesus. I don't know him. And then swearing. I mean, this is, this is, this is the sailor, the fisherman. And, uh, and, and he's swearing, I don't know him, and then 43 days later, actually, uh, this is 43 plus 12, that would be 52, I'm not a great, or 55, I'm not a great mathematician, but I think that's 55 days later, he's standing in front of the very people who crucified Jesus, and he's preaching and telling them, this Jesus whom you crucified, and when he got done, the Bible tells us, verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That is remarkable. That is amazing that literally the first time the gospel is preached, 3,000 people get saved and added to the church. And then notice verse 47. It says uh, that uh, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And we just see over and over and over in these next four chapters, people being saved and added to the church. Uh, it, it, you remember the story where they healed the lame man and he went up leaping and people crowded around to see what's going on. Peter said, hey, this looks like a good opportunity to preach. There's a big crowd here. And the Bible tells us they were arrested before they got a chance to give an invitation. And there were 5,000 people saved and added to the church that day. So we can see the amazing power of the gospel. But in chapter 6 and verse 1, we begin to see a problem. And the Bible tells us that the problem is still in the church today. It's an age-old problem. And the problem is this, more work to be done than workers to do the work. And uh, we just see it. Here it says that uh, there were widows being neglected in the daily ministration. And it's it's even worse than just the fact that widows were being neglected, but that uh, it was Grecian widows that were being neglected while the Hebrew women we're being taken care of, and so there's a racial issue going on here as well. This is a major problem in the church. It is interesting that the disciples, said, the apostles said, it is not reasonable for us to leave the ministry of the word of God and wait on tables. They saw that as a priority, but they also saw uh, you, you can't have people being neglected in the church, and so they said, here's our solution. Look out among yourselves and find men of good report, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and we will put them over this matter. And we see the institution of lay leadership in the church. This is the first time we see lay leadership, people from the, 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 this church, I can say it, the pew. Uh, um, uh, and, and in fact, I love to call this the power of the people. I actually used to call this session uh, the power of the pew, but churches these days, uh, a lot of churches have chairs and they mess that up. So, so we changed it, the power, you can't say the power of the chair. You know, it's this power of the people. And um, um, I just want to recognize a terminology shift that happens in verse 7. So chapter 6, verse 7, And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied uh, in Jerusalem greatly. And I think it's interesting, if you will just do a survey of the book of Acts, the next time you read through the book of Acts, note the word addition and the word multiplication. So added to the church, the, the people multiplied. And what you're going to see is there's a dividing line right here at chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And when we see lay leadership added into the church, no longer are we seeing people saved and added, but now we're seeing people multiplied. give you an illustration of what I mean by that. So I want you to imagine... Two gifted evangelists standing here. These guys are extremely gifted. And uh, I, I um, don't know what you imagine when, I, when you see them, but I'm, I'm imagining kind of a young, handsome, uh, powerful Billy Graham, that kind, of, that kind of guy. These are amazing preachers. And uh, um, they are gifted to lead 1,000 people a week to the Lord. So let me ask you this. How many of you believe that that's the giftedness God has given you, that he has gifted you and called you to lead 1,000 people a week to the Lord? Yeah, me neither. Uh, uh, we don't identify with these guys. We appreciate them. We love them, but we don't identify with them. Over here, I want us to imagine two determined disciple makers. And these guys are gifted as well, but their giftedness is different and their philosophy is different, and their desire is to lead one person to the Lord every six months, and then to disciple that person and train them how to lead someone to Christ. So let me ask you this question. How many of you believe that in the next six months, God could use you to lead someone to Christ and begin to disciple them? Let me see those hands. So we identify with these people. What I want us to do is in the imagination of our hearts, watch them over the next 16 years and see the various effectiveness of each group. So after one year of ministry, these two gifted evangelists have seen 104,000 people come to Christ. Let me show you how we do the math. There are two of them. There's 52 weeks in a year. They're each leading 1,000 people to the Lord, so 104,000. During that same time, there are two disciple makers, they each lead someone to the Lord in the first six months, disciple them and train them, and each of them leads someone to the Lord and disciple them and train them. So you see how I do the math, we won't do that every time, uh, but you can see which is more effective, that's pretty obvious. Uh, uh, after five years of ministry, these two gifted evangelists have now seen over a half million people come to the Lord, and during that same time, these two determined disciple makers have seen about 2,000 people come to, save, to, uh, to be saved. Imagine, though, if we sent a missionary to the field, and after five years, they had seen 
2,000 people saved and added to the church, even though that's much smaller than the half million, I don't think we'd be too disappointed with them. So uh, ministry is ministry. We're excited about that. After 10 years of ministry, these two gifted evangelists have now seen over 1 million people come to the Lord. And during that same time, these two determined disciple makers have now seen two million people saved. You say, whoa, 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 how did that happen? It's the power of multiplication. They're not just seeing people saved and added. They're seeing people saved and discipled and trained, and they are becoming laborers. Do you see the difference? We're not just adding, we're now multiplying. Now, let's just follow this out 16 years. After 16 years, these two gifted evangelists have seen 1.66 million people, and now that number actually seems small in comparison of what we're seeing these two determined disciple makers to make, but it's actually the same rate of growth that we were impressed with after years five and so forth. After 16 years of ministry, these two determined disciple makers have eight plus billion people that they've seen saved. That's more than our world's population. And the reason I chose 16 years is because I wanted us to see that God has a plan to reach our world during our lifetime. And his plan is us, all of us, being determined disciple makers, not just seeing people saved, but seeing them discipled, seeing them trained. That's the power of of the people. That's the passion of the exchange. And I, I love this thought. I want to start right now. And here's the real question. Will you? Anna's going to come and she's going to give us stories of people who have taken that seriously and what the Lord has done through their lives. I love what I get to do with the exchange. I do a lot of things, but my favorite is that I collect stories, and I have stories from all over the world. And just the last month, it's been a little bit of a challenging time for Jeff and me, and I think God just smiled at us by giving us a lot of new, fresh stories. The cool thing is they're from all different kinds of people in all different settings. And we call this, se- this session 24-7 Evangelism. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a wonderful church with a wonderful pastor. But in my mind, evangelism was an event. It took place on Thursday night or Saturday morning, and that's when we did evangelism. But when we study the scriptures, we know it's a whole lot more than that, right? Evangelism is you and me giving the gospel wherever God places us. Oftentimes, believers wonder, well, where are those divine appointments that we talked about yesterday? And that's one of the things that you'll see in the three stories that I'm going to share about how awesome God is in bringing souls to Christ and using these divine appointments. The first story is uh, from Round Rock, Texas. This is Miles and Jeremy. So Miles is the young man who came to Christ, and Jeremy is the believer who led him to Christ. So it's a beautiful story. I'm actually going to start by reading. Um, Miles wrote out his own story for me. So a few times I'm going to use his own words, so let me begin with that. My name is Miles. At the time he wrote this, which is about three years ago, I'm 24 years old, and I have been a believer in Jesus Christ for two years. God had mercy on me, 
and brought me to faith in his son through the faithfulness of another believer that was willing, willing to build a relationship with me and walk me through the exchange. So here's a little bit of Miles' history. He grow, grew up in an extremely broken home. By the age of 12, Miles realized how broken their lives were, or his life was. And these, these are the words that he uses to describe himself. He says, I am evil. All people are evil. Life is pain, and then you die. By age 18, he became suicidal, and he just threw himself into all sorts of reckless behavior, and he says that he was really trying to slowly kill himself. At age 22, he literally hit rock bottom, and one night he prayed. He had never prayed before. He didn't even know who he was praying to because he didn't even know, is there really a God? He prayed this, I asked God, whoever he was, to forgive me for everything I had ever done wrong and to reveal himself to me if he was really real. God was at work in this young man's life. A few days later, after he prayed that prayer, he suddenly realized that all of his addictions, and he had many, and they were unexplainably gone. He had no desire for those things that he was addicted to. So he started watching documentaries. He would watch one documentary after another about Jesus. And one night, as he was watching one of these documentaries, in his mind and in his heart, he heard these words, and he could not get away from them. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So he decided he was going to figure out who this Jesus is. So he did what we do, right? He got on the internet and he Googled it. <laughs> really what he was doing was trying to find a church. So he, he searched in his city. Now just remember, this is Austin, Texas. This is a really big state and a really big city. And he, God led him to a little, small, independent Baptist church where he would hear the gospel, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So he goes to this small church, he walks in, and you know what they did? They loved on him. He looked different than all of them. It didn't matter to these people. They embraced him. In fact, after the service that day, the pastor came and was talking to him, and he says, so what brought you to our church? And he said, I just want to learn about Jesus. And the pastor's like, I think I can help you with that. So the pastor says, you know, I have a four-lesson Bible study that will help you to learn about Jesus and how you can have a relationship with him. Well, Miles is smiling and he's saying, okay, okay. In his mind, he's thinking, four lessons? That's a major commitment. But he was too embarrassed to say no, so he agreed to do it. But you can imagine, the next week came when the time was to, to meet with the pastor, and he texted Pastor Jeremy, said, I'm so sorry, <laughs> I don't have enough gas in my car, and I can't make it. Pastor's like, that's okay, give me your address, I'll come to your house. <laughs> and he did, and that day, they went through all four lessons in one day. When I, I was able to meet Miles, and he told me this story, and I'm like, why did you do all four lessons in one day, and he said, I learned I was going to hell, <laughs> and I had to find the answer, and he found the answer, and the answer is in that 
spirit that was speaking to him all along, Jesus is Lord, and now Jesus is the Lord of his life. Well, I actually met Miles in Arizona. Jeff Jeff was speaking at a conference, and as we left, um, we heard someone cry out across the the parking lot, Jeff Musgrave. We turned around. He says, I got saved doing your Bible study. And we're like, well, we got to hear your story. So we sat down, and we listened to this story. And do you know what? That young man is in a Bible college in Arizona. And here's the reason he's in a Bible college. In fact, I'll just read it in his his own words, because it's quite convicting. When I first got saved, it frustrated and even angered me that I had gone my whole life knowing Christians, even being invited to church, but no one ever shared the gospel with me. So God has laid upon his heart to go to unreached people groups. And that's why he's there in Arizona. And I'll just add this little side note. That church loved on him so much that they actually paid his first year or first semester, I believe, of tuition so that he could go to that Bible college. And he says to me, um, as he's describing his church family, he says, these people became my family. So that's a beautiful example of evangelism at church a place where sometimes we think everybody's saved, but they're often unbelievers in our midst. The next story is is an example of evangelism at work, and I share this almost every time I get a chance, because people think, I cannot witness at work, and really, there's a lot of truth to that, because in a lot of situations, you can't, but when God's at work, there's a way. And I think I'm going to help you see that through Laura's story. Laura is, uh, lives in Wick- Wixom, Michigan. This actually took down- place in downtown Detroit. When I wrote out her story, I wrote it out, um, the power of an undeserved kindness. I think you'll see why. So Lara, in her workplace, there was a woman who was difficult to get along with. In fact, everyone in Lara's department avoided this woman because she was such a challenging person. So one day, this difficult coworker, Lara had been given a bouquet of flowers, and she had them there displayed on her desk. And this difficult coworker came by her desk, took out her phone, snapped a picture, and then posted it on social media as if they were her flowers. (laughs) Okay, Laura had a few choices, right? She could let her know what she was thinking. (laughs) She could ignore her or whatever, but here's what Laura did, and I love this. She just prayed about it. She's like, how am I supposed to respond to this? And Laura sensed the Spirit of God leading her to buy this woman flowers. So that's what she did. Just a few dollars, she bought her a bouquet of flowers, and she gave them to this difficult coworker. And these are the woman's words. This is the nicest thing that anyone has ever done for me. And you know what? Their relationship changed. And this woman would come constantly to Laura's desk and chat with her and talk to her and even share difficult things with her. In fact, one day, she came to Laura's desk with tears streaming down her face, and she asked this question, Laura, what is the meaning of life? That's a big question, especially to be asked at work. Laura gave her a simple answer, but then she said, you know, I have a Bible study that I believe will help you to find the meaning of life, and invited her to do it. And this woman who had been so difficult 
quickly agreed. So what they decided to do, they were different from different parts of the city. So after work, one time a week, they would find a quiet place and they would study the Bible together. The first lesson, God is holy, was just awesome. The second lesson, you know what it is, it's God is just, and it can be a challenging lesson. And for whatever reason, they had very little time to cover this lesson, and I love what Laura did. She just prayed about it, and she told the Lord, I don't have a lot of time to cover this lesson, and it's so important. Would you help her to understand? So that time came. They went through the justice of God, and here's what Laura writes. She says, it was literally as if God suspended time. They got all the way through the end of the lesson, and it was that day that this woman she went from darkness to life. And that was the day that she put her faith in Jesus Christ because a coworker took time and showed love. And this woman is now a believer in Jesus Christ. And she has a true testimony of Jesus because you know what happened in that department? People would come by Laura's desk and they would say, what happened to her? Well, I'll tell you what happened to her, the gospel is what happened. God changes lives. This is a story that's near and dear to Jeff and me. Up on the screen is a man named Mitch and his wife Barb. They are dear friends of ours. And I love this story because this is evangelism in your neighborhood. And I think all of us feel that responsibility and do have that responsibility for our neighbors. So neighbor um, Mitch lives in Morrison, Colorado, that beautiful part of our city right there in the, in the, Rocky, right in the Red Rock area of the city, if you're familiar with it. You know, in Matthew 19, Jesus told his disciples, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Well, when his disciples heard that, they were, they were astonished. And they said, who then can be saved? And Jesus' answer is, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And the story I'm going to share with you is one of those people that with men, it would be impossible, but not with our God. So Mitch's neighbor is a 48-year-old bond trader from New York City. He spent 11 years on Wall Street before moving to Colorado 10 years ago. He played college football and baseball. He was a weightlifter. He is bright, accomplished, successful and very self-assured. So for 10 years, Mitch has been trying to, to give the gospel to this, this, this younger man, but the man just kind of held him at a distance, and I know you felt that before. Um, but everything changed when Mitch decided to invite this uh, neighbor to go fly fishing. I don't know if you've ever been fly fishing, but there's nothing like going up into those beautiful Rocky Mountains. And it was just a peaceful environment. It was a long ways away. They drove together, and they began to really talk. In fact, their conversation went from surface down into the soul. And Mitch knew God was at work in his neighbor's life. Well, then came the presidential election. This is the year that this happened. And this man, who is so self-assured, it was like the rug was pulled out um, from underneath him. In fact, he went to Mitch, and he said these two words. He said, I feel hopeless 
and helpless. And then he said, but I'm looking at you and Barb, and I, I think you might have voted the same way I did, but you don't seem hopeless and helpless. And this man said, do you think it might have something to do with your faith? <laughs> Mitch is like, yes, it does. And this man asked Mitch, he said, would you study the Bible with me? Mitch is like, oh, absolutely. Well, Mitch had a copy of the Exchange Bible Study, so he invited his neighbor to do the exchange with him. As they began, these were this man's words, I am not looking for a ticket to heaven. <laughs> if, that's, if it's just black when we die, I'm okay with that. I just want to know, what is the truth? Well, Mitch began to invest. They began studying the Bible together on November 17. And um, Barb would fix some lovely dessert, and they would enjoy dessert, and then they would study from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock once a week. Now, it's a four-lesson Bible study, right? <laughs> After 21 Bible study sessions and 63 hours of Bible study, they completed the exchange and Mitch's neighbor put his faith in Jesus Christ. The day he got saved, this is how he described it. He said, Mitch, I feel as if I am free falling into trust. So right after that, they began living the exchange, the discipleship book that Jeff has written. And when he gave this story to me, this is what he said. After 20 sessions and 60 hours of study, we have made it through lesson three. <laughs> Jeff and I had the awesome privilege this summer of sitting down over dinner with Mitch and Barb and this, and, this, and this neighbor and his wife who has since come to Christ and hearing their story. And I'm just telling you, we've gone from self-assured to a man who is depending on Jesus Christ alone. Mitch shared these things, and I'll close with this. He, these were Mitch's takeaway from this experience. He said, I have, I have learned the importance of wearing your Christianity comfortably on your shirt sleeve. We're always Christians everywhere we go. Secondly, invest time and resources in those within your sphere of influence. Third, be alert to opportunities. And fourth, demonstrate a genuine and sincere interest in those within your sphere of influence. With God, this is impossible. Or excuse me, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So it's interesting. Uh, sometimes you may ask the question, so where are divine appointments? And the answer is, wherever we are. This, this list is literally a list of, of places we've received stories where people met somebody and led them to Christ. So even at the bank, uh, we have a story about someone met someone, a, a friend at Walmart. Uh, you, just, you just never know where God is going to send you and who you're going to meet. Let me just give you a few uh, 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 details about the exchange. Many of you are very familiar with us. Uh, um, I will show you a little bit this evening about our app. And uh, pastor said, I don't know if you did Sunday school the last time you were here. And I said, I do. Because we had mentioned the app, and you got up afterwards, and you said, I think we ought to support this. 
how many of you feel like we should give $1,000 to the app? And your hands went up and $1,000 went into our app. You guys have been great friends and partners of ours for some time. Uh, the, the Lord uh, has called us to uh, this passion for training God's people. We believe that the power of the church is the people and that, that what God has called us as pastors to do is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so that is the passion of the exchange, training God's people with relational evangelism and discipleship and giving them tools to be able to effectively do that. Uh, I, we're in the process. We, we've never done deputation. We just everywhere we go let people know uh, that this ministry could not survive if we didn't have partnering people and partnering churches working with us. Uh, we have literally seen uh, um, 10,700 people trained in the last 13 years in 266 seminars. And uh, it's just been exciting to see what the Lord has done. Um, probably most of you know uh, that we spend a large amount of our time on the mission field, uh, try to spend about a quarter of our time, and these are some of the places we've been. This summer, uh, we had uh, mission trips here in the U.S. training missionaries uh, uh, in the Philippines and just got back from uh, Mexico. Super, super exciting to see what God is literally doing all around the world. A couple of new books that we have uh, since the last time we were here, and... Um, Discover God's Exchange is the gospel for youth. It is basically the exchange Bible study rewritten for an early reader. Uh, um, we've tried to develop this in such a way that the reading is uh, um, level uh, age or uh, grade four or about that, uh, um, and, and yet develop in such a way that it's not too immature for a seventh, eighth, and maybe even a ninth grader. So trying to uh, uh, aim at that group. We've done it for two reasons. One is that we've just been asked because there are people who want to use this uh, with young people. But we've also done it specifically because I know some of you young people would love to be able to give the gospel, and we thought this would be a tool that would be a help to you in being able to give the gospel. We've simplified uh, uh, the language, but we've, we've tried to keep the kind, I mean, the gospel's the gospel, and people need to know the fullness of what God has done for us and what we need to do. We're also excited about the fact that both the Exchange Bible Study and uh, our app, uh, this is normally a video, we had to change it uh, for our slide presentation this morning, uh, but the app is fully functional in Chinese. I can't read a bit of it, but uh, we have people who tell us it's done well. Uh, uh, and uh, we're pretty excited about that. It's both now in uh, a course of English and in uh, Spanish and in Chinese. And uh, the app is geofenced. I don't know if you uh, uh, knew that, but we've been able since the last time we were here to put the Exchange Bible Study actually in the app so you can do all of the Bible studies uh, uh, in English and Spanish. Uh, in the app. So the Living the Exchange is there, Giving the Exchange is there. All the books are, are in there. Uh, and there's actually a, a, the capacity to be able to, um, you can see here that, I don't know if you can tell it in Chinese, uh, but you see the, the green spaces there. That's where you put your answers. You type the answers in and then they stay. Uh, if you sign in with the same account on a different device, then your answers go to that device as well. I like that because I like to study on my iPad, 
uh, but I don't always have my iPad with me, but I always have my Exchange Bible study with me and, the, and my answers in it uh, because I've, I've got it in uh, the app. Um, so would you do me this favor? If you have your phone with you, grab it real quick and, and use it to... Uh, uh, um, if, if, though, if you don't know how to do that, don't worry about it. But if, if, if you see, uh, those of you who do know how to do it, this is a QR code that will take you to the Exchange uh, app. I would love for those of you who are doing our training to download the app before tonight because I want to be able to show you a little bit about the app tonight. And so if you could get that downloaded between now and tonight, I would appreciate that. Um, so like I said, the, the app is a, a really powerful tool. It has both a gospel presentation with interactive illustrations, and I think many of you when we were here the last time saw how that worked. Uh, but now we've also added the ability to put the Exchange Bible Study in there, so two uh, powerful tools to be able to use uh, on the app. So as far as I know, this is the first person led to the Lord using the app in Spanish. Uh, uh, we had just finished it when we were in Peru, and uh, this is Buddy Fitzgerald. I don't know if you know him as a missionary, but he is leading a young neighbor to the Lord. Uh, you can, I barely see it down there on the bottom. That's his iPad down there that the guy's looking at and learning how to uh, see the exchange that Jesus made for us. So I would love to ask all of you to consider partnering with the exchange. Uh, of course, the church could partner with us. We pray about, we love churches to partner with us, but we have several individuals partner with us as well, and you can find how to do that on our webpage. A couple of truths that I'd like to share with you in closing from uh, Matthew chapter 9. So if you turn to Matthew chapter 9, we'll just look at this passage very quickly and uh, end with this. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but Jesus came and after three years of ministry died. So his earthly ministry was only three years long. So everything he accomplished on earth, he accomplished in that three-year period. And um, I wanted you to see uh, what Jesus did during that time period. And in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 35, the Bible says, Jesus went about all of the cities and villages, talking about in Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And I just wanted you to see that when Jesus was here on earth, he worked hard. That represents about 3 million people that Jesus Christ gave the gospel to in his three-year ministry. He was a hard worker. But then I also wanted you to see what Jesus saw. The Bible says, that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And I, I don't know what you see when you see crowds. But I'll, I'll just tell you how spiritual I am. When I see crowds, I see a lot of people between me and where I want to go. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's, 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 they're in the way. They're, they're, they're problems, you know. And, and uh, I loved what someone said yesterday. If, if we're going to take that resolve, I resolve to direct every conversation I can to the theme of themes. Learn of that soul's need and if possible meet it. If we're going to do that, we're going to have to start walking slowly through the crowds. Not just seeing throngs, 
but seeing individuals. And, and I just want you to see, that's what Jesus saw. Notice he says that he had compassion on them, and here's why. Because he noticed that they were fainting. Something was going wrong in their life. They were scattered abroad. There, there was a, a disconnectedness, a loneliness in their lives. Sheep having no shepherd, lacking that sense of purpose, that sense of direction. And I actually believe that every single person you meet on earth that doesn't know Jesus is going to have one of these three things going on in their life as well. And I think one of the things God wants to call us to do is to see with his eyes. You do know the Spirit of God lives in you. And you have the capacity to see those needs just like Jesus did. And I, I think we should just ask God, God, give me eyes to see what you see. Instead of seeing people as irritants. Because I just want you to know, sometimes people are irritating. But to see them as needy. A soul that's going to live somewhere forever. And many, if not most, don't know Jesus. And we have the ability to give them what they need. And then I just want you to see what Jesus promised. And I want you to go away with confidence in this promise. Jesus said to his disciples, verse 37, the harvest truly is plenteous. I don't know if you notice, but we have stories from all over the world. Uh, um, I, we've just observed this. Uh, when we're in New England, people up there tell us, uh, you know, people up here are just too cold. They, they just don't care. Uh, they just are too hard. Uh, out there in California, people are just too crazy. I mean, they, 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 everybody, they, they just don't, don't even care at all. Uh, here in the South, uh, this is what I hear, um, everybody's saved. I mean, you know, they're all, they, they're, they're, their, their uncle's a, a deacon and their daddy's a pastor. I mean, it, it's everybody's already a Christian. So I just want us to recognize One of two things is true. Either the harvest is bad and people just aren't interested. Or Jesus is right and the harvest is plenteous. So which do you think it is? Yeah, I, we know the answer. We know the answer. But, I, but frankly, we forget the answer. Because I do want you to know this path of living a life, of telling people about Jesus, is a path that the enemy hates. And he fights it, and it's not easy. It is hard. But the harvest is plenteous. I have a barber. So actually, she's not a barber. She's a hairstylist. So I go to Great Clips. And uh, um, so um, the, the first time I met her... Um, she was not a likely candidate for the gospel. In fact, I, I don't know what you do when you go to Great Cliffs, but I always pray, God, give me someone who'd do a good job. Because <laughs> I've, I've had a few that weren't uh, a good job. Uh, and, and when she pulled my number and called me, I'm thinking, this is not going to go well. I mean, she, she did not look like the kind of person that was going to understand the kind of hair that I do you know I figured it was going to be like here in stripes and uh, um, I, I every single time I go back 
to that great clips, I always ask for her. So whether you think my hair looks good or not, I think it does. She just cut my hair recently. And uh, she, she does a great job every time I go. So I always ask for her. Her name is Monica. And um, a few uh, months ago, I went in and um, met Monica's son, Max. Max is 19. And Max... Uh, is uh, working at the shop. Monica has kind of gone up through the ranks and is now the manager of her particular shop. And uh, uh, Max was working there during the summer just to kind of sweep the floors and get people checked in and those sorts of things. And uh, uh, Monica told me while I'm, while I'm getting my hair cut uh, that Max has just come to live with her and that he uh, is, is really searching for some answers in his life. And so I uh, went up to Max after I got my hair cut, and I said, Max, I said, I have something I think you'd like to see. And I just showed him our app, and uh, I said, Max, if you would be interested, there's a Bible study that's available inside this app, and I would love to give it to you and study with you. Would you be interested in that? And he said, absolutely. So I gave him my email address and asked him to email me, because then I would have his email address and I would give it to him. And I actually did that on purpose because I just wanted to see, is this guy really genuinely interested? Well, immediately I got the email and uh, he sent me his email, his mom's email, and his sister's email because they all wanted to do this. And um, I, I just want you to know the harvest truly is plenteous. Uh, this, this is the bad news. Um, we went about a month and a half, two months without being able to get that scheduled and I'm expecting them to call and try to figure that out. I mean, I, I, we, that's the way the arrangement was made. No answer. I went in to get my hair cut the other day and um, Monica's first words to me, Max lost your number. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes we just want to give up on people. They probably just weren't really interested. But but that that's just not ever what we do we we don't give up on people and um, um, Max and Monica and Max's younger sister and I and Anna are are going to study the exchange Bible study together uh, I just want you to know that the harvest truly is plenteous everywhere we go there are people who need Jesus so what is the problem the laborers are few so what's the solution? Well, we just got to work harder. We got to get more people. Is that, is that the solution? Is that what God says right here? Yeah, we got to pray. So pray the Lord of harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Here's my request for you. As far as I know, this is Jesus' only prayer request that he gave to us. I mean, he, he literally asked us, would you please pray with me about this? And I would just urge you that you become passionate about praying for laborers. Because this is what I believe. You can't be passionate about praying for laborers and w without becoming a laborer yourself. And so that's the passion of the exchange. We, want, we believe that God uses ordinary people to do his extraordinary work of rescuing sinners. And he does it through the simple articulation of the gospel truths that you and I know. Simple truths. God is holy. God is just. God is loving. 
God is gracious. These are all things that we all know. We can all do it. And God wants to use all of us to see people come to Christ. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.